Welcome to Pleasant Green Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School Lesson for Sunday, November 19, 2023. I'm Rev. Mary Tillman, an Associate Minister at Pleasant Green. I will be the presenter of today's lesson. We're still in the fall quarter, and our fall quarter study is God's Law is Love. We're in Unit 3, and the theme for Unit 3 is Christ Frees Law Enslaves. This is Lesson Number 3, in Unit 3, the lesson title in the Townsend Press Sunday School Commentary is Life in Christ Brings Freedom. And in the Faith Pathway Bible Studies for Adults, the lesson title is Live as You Were Taught. Our devotional reading, Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 17. The background scripture Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 23, and the print passage, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Our key verse, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7a, from the NIV Bible, it reads, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. Our unifying lesson principle, people may submit to legalistic practices for a variety of reasons. How can we break free of practices that ensnare us? Paul encourages us to understand that such practices are a human entrapment from which Christ frees us through grace. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to study your word, to get clarity on the lessons that we need to learn about so many things that causes us to become ensnared from following your will. Order our steps, dear God, as we go through this life's journey. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at our lesson introduction, as we continue our study in God's Law is Love theme, we understand that there are laws and practices that tend to lure us from the teachings of Christ Jesus. In this week's lesson, we see there were believers in Colossae who had learned to live free of legalism. The lessons in this unit highlight how Jewish and Gentile Christians wrestled with Mosaic law considering Christ's teachings. This week's lesson looks at Paul's letter to the Colossians in which he addressed the heretical teaching that threatened the church's doctrinal and spiritual well-being. So, my brothers and sisters, get your Sunday school book, your Bible, pen and notepad, and follow along as we go forward with this wonderful lesson. Let's get started. Again, our title of the lesson is Live as You Were Taught. Three questions for you to consider in this lesson. Question number one, what were the false teachers teaching in this week's lesson? Question number two, what was Paul warning the Colossians against in this week's lesson? And question number three, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ. Let's look at the lesson's biblical context. Colossae was the location of the church to which Paul addressed his letter. Although Paul did not establish the Colossian church, 
or visited, he is the epistle's author. Epaphras, a believer who served with Paul, is credited with starting this church. The church's composition matched the city's mixed population of Jews and Gentiles. The Judaizers' false teaching contained elements of what was later known as Gnosticism. The tenets of this philosophy taught that God is good, matter is evil, Jesus Christ was not fully divine, and having a higher knowledge of scripture was necessary for salvation and enlightenment. Paul's purpose for writing this letter from prison was to refute and warn the Colossians about the dangers of this heresy while emphasizing that their salvation was complete in and through Jesus Christ alone. In other words, Paul is letting them know that Jesus Christ freed them through his grace and nothing needed to be added to or removed, and that his blood, sacrifice, and resurrection are enough for all of us to be covered in salvation. The Colossians received Christ by faith. Therefore, they were to continue their relationship with him by faith. The false teachers were continuing to promote works of self-denial as the way to please God. Although works are vital to the believer's life in Christ, they are the byproduct of saving faith, not its source. Paul wrote to warn believers of this doctrinal error and to correct the doctrinal error that had infiltrated the church and to encourage their continued faith in Christ. Paul writes in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And verse 4 says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And verse 5, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ Jesus. The first half of Colossians is doctrinal. Paul presents a profound explanation of the person and work of Jesus Christ, and that is in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through chapter 2, verse 23. The second half of his letter contains practical exhortations regarding Christian conduct, and we see this in chapters 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 18. The primary application of this letter for the faith community today is that Christ alone is sufficient for our salvation and our sanctification. The aims for this week's lesson, aim number one, evaluate the difference between legalistic salvation and freedom in Christ. Aim number two, experience fullness of life in Christ. And aim number three, express freedom in Christ and challenge practices that limit that freedom.
There are three lesson outlines in the Adult Pathway Sunday School book. I will share two key points from each of these outlines and expound some on each of them. The first outline is freed from legalism, and we find that in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. The second outline is freed from mysticism, Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. And the third outline, freed from asceticism, and that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Let's begin our analysis of the biblical text with the first lesson outline. Outline number one, freed from legalism. Again, that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Key point number one, our salvation is complete in Christ. Verse 16, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. The festivals mentioned are Jewish holy days celebrated. Paul explained that the Mosaic laws, dietary restrictions, holidays, and feast days, new moon celebrations, and the Sabbath day are not requirements to those justified by faith in Jesus Christ, and don't let anyone criticize you for not celebrating the Jewish holidays and feasts. He is also saying to not criticize or judge you by what you eat or drink. Paul warned the Colossians against exchanging their freedom in Christ to follow a set of useless, human-centered, legalistic rules that were being imposed upon them. Instead of an outward observance, Paul directed the believers to focus on faith in Christ alone and to worship Christ. Paul explained that the Christian's relationship with God is through Jesus Christ instead of rituals like circumcision. Verse 17 says, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These laws were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came. Old Testament laws, holidays, and feasts pointed toward Christ. Paul calls them a shadow of the reality that was to come. Christ himself was the reality that was to come. Jesus Christ has come. We don't need to shadow anymore. We are no longer bound to those temporary rules. Paul is saying, so why go back into the shadows when no human religious practices can change the heart or make one righteous in God's sight? Christ came and fulfilled and dispelled and dismissed that shadow. Key point number two, Christ came and fulfilled the law. Paul was not speaking against the Mosaic law. He was explaining that Jesus Christ is superior to it because he fulfills the reality or substance of the law. All that the Old Testament foreshadowed, Christ fulfilled. Matthew 5 and 17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Faith in Christ freed the believers from the obligation to keep religious rules and regulations. 
Believers can obey all the laws they want. They can obey the laws to tithe, assemble to worship, form great acts of ministry, and still fail to please God if they are not intimately connected to him through faith in Jesus Christ. This, my brothers and sisters, is important. Outline number two, freed from mysticism, and that's found in Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 from the NIV Bible. And the key point, number one, Paul warns against angel worship and false humility. Verse 18 reads, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Paul's second warning was not to allow these false teachers to cheat them out of their earthly and eternal blessings by turning to the irrationality of mysticism and worshiping angels. A definition of mysticism is the practice of religious experiences during alternate states of consciousness. Mysticism teaches that God can be known through two methods. The first method is through the worship of angels, and the second is through seeing visions. This heresy was definitely against what the believers at Colossae had been taught. Paul warned them to avoid four areas of mysticism. Area number one, asceticism, extreme self-denial. Area number two, worshiping angels. Area number three, seeking mystical visions to attract attention to self. And number four, pride as promoted by these esoteric teachings. He is saying, don't let anyone declare that you are lost when you refuse to worship angels. The false teachers were teaching that people had to worship angels in order to eventually reach God. This is unscriptural. The Bible teaches that angels are God's servants and it forbids worshiping them. Verse 19 says, They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he alone provides for spiritual life and causes the church to mature as God directs. Any practice that leaves Christ out is detrimental to the life growth and ministry of the believer and to the faith community. Key point number two. Paul reminds the Colossians and us that spiritual progress does not occur through rituals or legalism, but by following Christ. Spiritual growth and unity among believers result in a common dependence on Christ. We grow only as we get our nourishment and strength from God. It is in Christ alone that we live, move, and have our being. Without him, we can do nothing but fail. Jesus summed this truth with when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Outline number three, freed from asceticism, 
This is in Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23 from the NIV Bible. Verse 20 reads, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces in this world, why, as though you, you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Verse 21, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Paul asked the Colossians why they wanted to live by and obsess over the human-centered principles of the world since they had died with Christ and were in union with him. Someone may ask, how do we die with Christ and how are we raised with him? When a person becomes a Christian, he or she is given new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Being crucified with Christ means that we are no longer under the penalty of the law. That penalty was paid by Christ on our behalf. When Christ was crucified, it was as if we were crucified with him. The penalty was truly paid, just as surely if we had been crucified for our own sins. Being crucified with Christ means that we are new creations. When Christ rose from the dead, we rose too. Now the risen Christ empowers us to live for him in a way that pleases God. We used to seek life through our own works, but now we live by faith in the Son of God. We've become a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old life is dead and gone. We walk in newness of life. Paul urges these believers not to impose worldly rites and rituals and regulations upon themselves when Christ has set them free from the laws of bondage. Paul is condemning teaching certain things, do not handle, do not taste, or do not touch, because it pertains to being religious, not spiritual. Verse 22. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Key point number one, we cannot reach up to God by following rules of self-denial, by observing rituals, or by practicing religion. Paul isn't saying all rules are bad, but what he is saying is no keeping of the laws will earn salvation. After condemning legalism and mysticism as practices, robbing the Colossians of their freedom in Christ, Paul attacked and condemned asceticism. Asceticism involves rigorous self-denial practices and often self-mortification to become more spiritual. Just like legalists, those who engage in asceticism tie themselves to unnecessary rules. Verse 23 says, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. To the Colossians, the discipline demanded by the false teachers seemed good. Even though living by this kind of teaching produces false wisdom, they are powerless to prevent the flesh from sinning. Key point number two, only a relationship with Christ 
enables believers to deal with the power of sin that daily challenges every believer. Paul refuted these false doctrines while defending Christ's preeminence as the only means of spiritual life. Man-made religions focus on human efforts. Christianity focuses on Christ's work. Our salvation does not depend on our own discipline and rule-keeping, but on the power of Christ's death and resurrection. Legalism still attracts many people today. It can make a person appear moral, but religions cannot change a person's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. In summary, this lesson highlights the need for right doctrine and right practice. The false teachers tend to pull the Colossians away from how they have been taught to live. The faith community must focus on sound biblical teaching to prevent believers from having doctrinal deception. One's lack of knowledge or failure to avail oneself of false teaching is detrimental to spiritual growth and receiving God's blessings. Although Paul addresses many areas, the basic application for us today is the total and complete sufficiency of Christ in our lives, both for our salvation and our sanctification. We must know and understand the gospel so as not to be led astray by subtle forms of legalism and heresy. We must be on guard for any deviation that would diminish the centrality of Christ as Lord and Savior. Any religion that tries to equate itself with truth using books that claim the same authority as the Bible or which combines human effort with divine accomplishment in salvation must be avoided. Other religions cannot be combined with or added to Christianity. Good deeds, astrology, occultism, horoscopes do not show us God's ways. Only Christ does. Our closing thought and question this week, take time to assess your relationship with Christ and recognize any worldly teachings that may have led you to engage in legalistic practices in order to please God. Once you have identified these subtle forms of influence, commit to eliminating them by practicing spiritual disciplines to help you become more like Christ and experience greater freedom in your faith. Question, what worldly practices challenge your faithfulness to Christ? My brothers and sisters, I hope this lesson has enlightened you in some way. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for this lesson on how to understand and realize that Christ is truly enough. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for the price that you paid and for bringing us a plan of salvation that we can follow without question or without doubt. Keep us safe is our prayer. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. That's our lesson for today. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. God bless you. Until next time. Bye.